Mediated Conversation on SAFM. 27 minutes now to nine. The time, time for your mediated conversation this Wednesday morning. Over the last three years, one of the biggest developments we've seen is the huge rise in violent crime and in robberies and burglaries and other crimes involving violence. At the same time, we've seen a big increase in the number of new security companies. I've seen some cases where it's claimed that some of these companies have been formed only to allow their members to access more powerful weapons. I imagine shotguns, things like that. So then, how do you keep yourself and your family safe and how can you be sure that the security company that you're using is actually a credible company? In other words, it's actually a security company and not really uh, something else. First this morning, you'll hear from Chad Thomas from the organization IRS Forensic Investigations. Then, uh, the question, of course, around the way that these companies are managed. Cindy Changwan is from the Association of Private Security Owners of South Africa. We'll ask her about the credibility of these companies. And then the relationship between security companies and the police. TJ Masalela is the chair of the Gauteng Provincial Community Police Board. We start then with Chad Thomas from IRS Forensic Investigations. Chad, good morning. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much and good morning to you and the listeners. We've all seen levels of violent crime rising in most parts of the country over the last few years. What measures work to keep a home safe? Sure, that's a very broad question. It depends on where the home is. Um, We're seeing a lot of private security in suburbia and we've seen the outsourcing of policing functions, um, primarily in suburbia, to, to moneyed communities. Whereas conversely, in the more informal settlements, um, and in the township environment, people are becoming very reliant again on block watches, neighborhood watches, and increased um, community participation in CPFs. It all depends on the area. It depends on the different variables on how to secure one's, one's premises. And obviously, if one is in a money community, they can afford to have patrols from private security companies. They can afford to have boomed. And they can also all be on some kind of an alert system. This doesn't play out in the majority of areas in South Africa in the informal settlements in the townships where they don't have the funds for private security. Do uh, community patrols and things like that work? I mean, we've seen a huge rise in sort of community WhatsApp groups or people who patrol their own areas, they do it in shifts, things like that. Are those effective? To a certain extent, but there's a, there's a thin line and that thin line between right and wrong gets crossed very often because communities tend to want to take the law into their own hands if law enforcement is slow to react or slow to get to the scene of a crime. So we're seeing a lot of community-type watches turning to vigilantism. And we need to be very careful of this because a lot of people can play out um, personal issues that they may have with an alleged perpetrator and convince the community otherwise, and that person gets branded a criminal and vigilante justice takes over. And that's why we can't allow for this. Um, Many people I've heard from over the years, um, when they talk about suburban homes, say there are two measures that work. The one is to have a dog inside, and the other is beams that will tell you if someone is outside. Are those still effective? Look, it's called target hardening. If you have two houses next to each other, one has burglar proofing, the other doesn't, they're going to target the house with the burglar proofing. It's the same as you have a car in the old days parked next to each other, one with a gear lock, one without a gear lock, which one are the criminals going to target? So it's all about target hardening and taking into consideration what crimes are prevalent in that specific area. You can use any measure of security, whether it's razor wire, electric wire, beams, alarm systems, CCTV. It all comes down to the reaction times and what is prevalent in that particular area. 
Uh, reaction times and the response times of security companies. And I'm sort of vaguely amazed that I've never come across a website that will tell you, give you an average reaction time and they'll, they'll sort of compare each other. I mean, maybe maybe there is one somewhere. Um, but I know of many cases where people will say, you know, complain the security company just didn't respond. Or I phoned and there was no response. Some people will say, no, they were very quick. Uh, you can't know that, of course, until you have the experience. So there's so many factors that have affected reaction times. We've had load shedding where batteries haven't charged sufficiently in alarm systems or in panic buttons. It depends on the community. It depends on which security companies being used. But you must remember, security companies have saturated certain areas. They've boomed off certain areas. They have dedicated vehicles in certain areas. And this, of course, goes to the disparity between the haves and the have-nots. Moneyed individuals can afford to have this. So reaction times can be anything from a couple of minutes to maybe a little bit longer, depending on, on where they are. But even the police have taken cognizance of where security companies have a massive presence, and they call them force multipliers, and they've created joint war rooms where they're actually utilizing security companies as first responders to assist them in what's now known as the E2 project, which stands for Eyes and Ears, being run by some of the biggest security companies in South Africa, together with the South African police services. So you might phone the police for help and a security company comes. I mean, does it go to that level? It could very well. We've got war rooms at the moment that are being manned jointly by municipal officials, metro officials, provincial officials, South African police officials, with a private security presence as well. Um, there's a whole sort of blurring here. You know, we're supposed to rely on the police for security. Now, I completely understand why people don't. Why I don't, I suppose. I have a security company. Most people I know do, um, if they can afford it. So the question then is, there's this sort of blurring of the lines. I mean, as a police officer has certain powers. There's actually a police act. You know, a police officer has the power to arrest you. A security officer, a security guard doesn't. A security company person doesn't. And I know they can hold someone until the police come. Uh, that suspect's often in a very difficult position by the time the police come. Um, and this, there's a blurring of the line here that could be quite dangerous, and yet I can't see any way to unblur it at the moment. So there's a section of the Police Act that almost allows for what we see in the American movies of deputizing. A person between a certain age group cannot deny a lawful instruction from a police officer. And that's why we've seen security officers standing parade with the South African police services at the police stations and going out on patrols with the police assisting them. We've seen it um, most recently with the Zama Zama raids, um, assisting in what we call blue light patrols where they go into areas at night and they all put on their flashing lights as a deterrent, as a, as a proactive crime prevention measure. And security is regulated in South Africa. That's what people need to understand. It's very important. We have the Private Security Industry Regulatory Authority. It's the biggest regulatory authority in the country. They oversee more than 2 million registered security officers, of which around 800,000 are active in the industry. That is more than the police, the army, and correctional services combined. So the police have to start making use of the security services while they have a skill deficit, while they have infrastructure challenges and issues. And that is why we see more and more police officers working together with the South African police services under their guidance and supervision. But one must also remember that if a security officer is working on a particular premises, uh, with the permission and authority of the owner of that premises, they do have certain powers in terms of the act that's granted to them. And they can make arrests should a, an incident occur and hold that person until such time as the police service arrive on the scene. 
Chad, I'm going to ask each guest this question. How do you know if the security company that wants your business or the security company in your area can actually be trusted? Uh, we've seen a huge number of new security companies in different parts of the country. I think many people don't know if they can trust their security company. They know old established names, sure. Some of the newer companies they don't know so well. The, the first is a very easy search. They go to the CIRA website. Um, they check to see whether that company is registered. They see how long that company's um, been operating for. And they have to look towards that company's testimonials, what kind of experience they have, who the company owners are, whether they trust individuals. We're seeing a lot of communities where security companies are springing up specifically to look after those communities. So it's individuals from within those communities that are registering and making sure that they can provide a service. In other instances, you see security companies trying to grow from one area into the next, into the next, where they'll just saturate areas with vehicles and make it look as if they have a big presence. And once they've signed up clients, they just move on to the next suburb and saturate that, via, that area. So you have to look at the historical context of that company and make sure they are who they say they are. Chad Thomas, thanks very much indeed uh, from IRS Forensic Investigations. Starting your mediated conversation this morning around the role of private security companies. 18 minutes now to nine. Well, let's speak to Cindy Changwon from the Association of Private Security Owners of South Africa. In other words, representing, I imagine, most of the private security companies. Cindy, good morning and thank you for your time this morning. Thank you, Stephen, and Happy New Year to your listeners as well. All the best for the year. And to you. We've seen more and more private security companies. You see their cars often driving around. Are you seeing more security companies joining your organization? There is a lot of security companies that um joining our association. I think it is a matter of being able to formalize themselves into a voice that is going to be able to actually respond accordingly to the needs in terms of the services that they actually need to actually render to the public. Are you finding that there are new companies that you know exist but aren't joining your organization? There are several companies that um, do exist out there. I was listening to um, your speaker when he was actually talking about a number of sporadic companies that actually come up in the name of rendering security services. The reason why there is, is that you get fly-by-night companies um, that do exist in this country. And because of the scale of crime and finding opportunities in terms of coming into business, that you'll find them formulating themselves into security companies and rendering services, but not really in line with the CIRA Act and not really in line with what they actually need to do. So you find that those ones that are not really formal are the ones that would not be part of an association such as Tapsosa. Um, so is there is it easy for people to know the difference? Can they go to your website and have a look? I mean, things like that. I think people often, you know, that someone will knock on the door and there'll be two or three security car cards and cars outside. And they'll say, look, we want to protect you and your family. Did you know there was a robbery next door last night? Things like that. We can protect you from that. It's very tempting to just sign up on the spot. How can you know if the company is is legit? In our website, we've got a number of, of companies that are part of our association. Um, they've got um, their profile. Um, and the beauty about it is that in terms of you being part of the association, there are certain stringent measures that you would have to comply with. One is to make sure that you're actually complying with the CIRA Act. And the second one is to actually make sure that you've got human capital that are actually that have been vetted.
um, in a manner of, of them being able to, 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 from an integrity point of view, plus also in terms of training to ensure that you've got adequate human capital that are going to be able to respond to the needs of the services that are actually required um, at a given time by a particular client. So those two things are very important, that one, the company is compliant, but the second thing also is that it's got inadequate human capital that have got the inquisitive training and also the expertise thereof in order to be able to respond to what is actually needed. There's some obvious things. If people aren't wearing a uniform, if a car, you know, looks damaged and isn't being fixed, then you kind of know not to trust them, right? Yes. So, so, so those are the those those the fundamentals of a private security um, company in terms of what is it that they actually need to do from a visi- visibility perspective, from a branding perspective, so that you could be able to actually identify exactly who's actually rendering that particular service. But Stephen, what is also um, important in this regard is to make sure that the company that you do procure in rendering those particular services has to be compliant. We cannot insist enough to make sure that you ensure as a consumer that you get a company that is reputable, that is compliant with the CIRA Act, but as well has got the human capital that can be able to actually render those services because human beings are human beings. And you would find that within um, those particular human beings, if there's not regular vetting, and control of those particular human beings, anything can happen with opportunistic crime that does arise in this country. Um, we see some companies that seem to specialise in guarding you know, company buildings or government buildings. Do those companies belong to you as well? Does anyone keep an eye on what they're doing? I mean, there's, I mean these are huge and very expensive contracts. Yes, yes, definitely. We've we've got we've got companies that are also manning uh, national key points. Um, we've got companies that are actually manning various government departments as well. You need to actually keep an eye of with, in terms of what is it that they actually do, um, because they've got a contractual obligation um, with regards to the service that they actually render um, to 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 their clients, and therefore there has to be ways that you need to be able to keep track in terms of the service that they actually render. Plus, there is also also a, an issue of reputation here, Stephen, because Tapsosa cannot be able to harbor um, companies that do not actually comply. And therefore, it is important that every now and then, with regards to our members, we make sure that we actually have to do an analysis in terms of ensuring and ensuring that this, the service that they actually deliver is 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 of the expectation um, of 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 the consumer that they're actually delivering the services to. Um, working with the police, we heard from Chad Thomas, our previous guest, that there's a much closer relationship now between the police and security companies. I presume your members are a big part of that. Yes, Stephen, although there's no formal national cooperation agreement in existence between the SAPS and the private security industry, there is an ad hoc relationship on an an ad hoc basis, as I had indicated, um, in terms of being able to cooperate um, with, with, with the police service in terms of ensuring that there is a collaborative approach uh, looking at the schedule of crime in, 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 in mitigating certain risks that do exist or presents themselves uh, within certain specific areas. There is that, that attempt. I see that it, 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 is, it is becoming more frequent. It is, it, is, it is becoming productive because, you know, they, 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 we need to be able to assist 
the police force. Um, they are inundated. Um, there's lack of capacity. We need to actually be there. There's discussions that are actually taking place on a more formal level with the private security um, regulatory industry, security um, authority, in being able to see ways in which we can be able to formalize the relationship with the SAPS in order for us to be able to make sure that we become an intricate aspect of value in terms of being able to assist them in, 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 in fighting the sketch of crime. These are at the primary level, um, of course, because there are various di dynamics um, in this regard in terms of how the whole thing can be able to actually be pen, pen out with regards to issues of liability, with whole the, in regards to also issues of, 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 of accountability as well. So those are the things that we actually need to discuss at a policy level to actually see how we could be able to actually see um, ourselves working together, taking into cognizance that in the industry, the private security industry, it's about profit and 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 policing. Um, it's about protecting and securing all the 62 million inhabitants of, of, of this country. By, by making sure that there's effective law enforcement, crime in, um, prevention, and combating and maintenance of, of public order. So how does security become an integral part of that particular process? It's those things that we actually need to, 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 to pen out and thresh out. And I see that those discussions are starting to happen, but they are not really yielding those desired results as we would like them to see in future. Cindy, we often see a certain area where um, one security company will really dominate it. I mean, they'll have a monopoly on that area almost. Uh, they'll run the booms, they'll run everything. It's very difficult for another company to come in. Is that a problem? Do you have to resolve disputes between security companies sometimes? You know, Stephen, we've, you know, one of the things that 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 we have been advocating, we have been advocating for the level of the playing field in the private security industry. Um, and you would find that there, indeed, there is so much monopoly with regards to private security companies that monopolizes a certain area, or you would find that there is a lot of monopoly in terms of the industry itself and influence in terms of who gets the contract and who doesn't get the contract. That means that most of the security companies are left out um, in the cold of them being able to actually get access to those particular opportunities. So we've been advocating that we need to be able to find mechanisms in which we can be able to level the playing field so that each and every entrepreneur that comes into the space is able to be given an, an opportunity. But also, you must also remember as well in that regard that there is also a trust relationship that exists over time between a consumer and a private security company. Therefore, in that regard, you would understand why people would actually prefer to have their security companies for more than 20 years, vis-a-vis Sindiswa, who would come into play, who's a new player and not really given an opportunity. But we need to be able to actually change that mindset because if you've got Sindiswa that can be able to have capacity and that has got the, the expertise in terms of being able to render those particular services, 
then let them be given a chance. There's a systematic, there are systematic challenges in this industry that we actually need to look at. The one that you actually just alluded to now is the issue of monopoly. But how do we address monop- How do we address that particular issue to make sure that the, all the 11, over 11,000 companies that do exist in this country do get the fair share in terms of being able to render what they need to render? Cindy Changwan, thanks very much indeed. Spokesperson for the Association of Private Security Owners of South Africa. Do appreciate the time. Seven minutes to nine, your mediated conversation around private security companies uh, continues. You with SFM, of course, this morning. TJ Masalela is the chair of the Gauteng Provincial Community Police Board. TJ, good morning. Thanks for your time. Good morning and happy new year to you as well. We're seeing, a, we're seeing a rise in security companies in all sorts of areas, in township areas as well. Are we seeing new security companies in areas where they didn't really exist before? Well, they are good things to that. As you would know, that the concentration is now, especially in some areas, is your teach areas, township, informal settlements, and hostels, which take you to, to uh, where most of the uh, members of society can found. But yes, it's a good thing that uh, that kind of uh, security is also coming into those areas. So it's, for instance, you see more new uh, companies owned by Soetans in Soetu, though in the form of armed response and all that, but that's good because that's a good start. Uh, the Deep Roof Mall must be named by a security company of that particular area so that we are able to, because people will know that kind of neighborhood. So we're very, we're very happy with that. But also the technology that uh, that they are bringing uh, with, uh, and, and, and I was listening to the two speakers today that it's very important. The monopoly issue is a big, it's a bit of a problem, but we must force matters in our, in our community that uh, with, the, with the new technology, look, police and security, and even the community and ourselves, we must make sure that we move with times. Security is not only just a, a simple uh, guard that you place at the corner. There should be technology that supports that. There should be uh, cameras, drones, and all that kind of, of system. that we want to see that in those disadvantaged areas, empowering those people that comes from that particular area. A big, a big part of all of this is the relationship between the security companies and the police, and we've heard that that relationship is getting closer. There are a lot of pluses to that. There may be some negatives to that. Are these new newer security companies, I mean, are they working with the police as well? I imagine the police may welcome them in some places, so long as they all sort of get on together. Definitely. Look, um, it's, uh, I think we have, as a country, have seen since the July um, and, and unfortunate situation, uh, happened, uh, we realized how much important security companies, let alone your individual uh, estates and body corporates and all that, but in the townships also we realized how important is security company. From the community policy relations, we, we have embraced the security companies long before this. Uh, you find that in sectors, in stations, CPF continue to work with security companies. Not at a bigger scale, but now it's moving to that direction. But importantly, Security companies uh, are availing their resources to, to this community, to the CPS, to be able to be trained, but also to participate in the technology that they are rolling out. There are new concepts like the Safer City mm. projects where you're purely going to be using technology response, uh, panic buttons, and, and so forth. That is the 2024 approach from our side to say we must change the way how we do everything. Uh, in, in, in We have four quarters of the year you should implement this. Every quarter we should implement something new so that then it, uh, it uh, mitigates and assists the, 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 all the law enforcement, not just the SAP. So um, 
I mean, you could suggest that maybe the security companies are getting a little too powerful. I mean, I've heard of cases, people have told me that, you know, you go into a certain police station, the police station has a panic button. The panic button actually calls the security company. So you have a police station being protected by a security company. I mean, isn't that a bit mad? No, I've never heard of such. A panic button that are there are purely for the community. Okay, let me make an example for instance. The panic uh, um, button system is put in a particular area. And then, uh, for instance, where I stay in this estate, we have a panic that talks to responders and talks to the station. So, certain commander will get a, a, a panic uh, information that says at uh, one number one black record, there's a, a robbery taking place at a time. That's the only thing that I know that communicates with the police, not the other way around. Police have radios, have all the, 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 the information that they need to maybe back up and stuff like that. So, I haven't seen security companies, but uh, some years back, you would remember a security company at the gate of the police station, but that was done a long time ago. I think that was around the 96, 97. So, uh, at the present moment, I know that the working relationship with the huge companies is of highest level at the moment. Okay. We are. All right, look, I mean, some people tell me they've seen these panic buttons. Anyway, we'll we'll move on. Um, the security industry, no matter who you talk to, uh, TJ, is really growing. And one of the things that shows us is that people don't trust the police. People feel scared. People are taking money they could spend on something else and spending it on security. Do you believe the police will ever get our trust back again? Yeah, that's the best is isn't it? Um, but but it's also good that uh, we we have um, the security space so that should we not uh, and, and that's that's a political discussion that we must have and frank discussion to say what is what is what has happened that has uh, is it the previous uh, uh, um, eras that have created this uh, or is the corruption that we see is it the conduct and so forth. I was reading a uh, a document just now in December that I was talking about. The restoring, restoring trust of the community. I mean, FAPS restoring trust of the community. And I'm very interested in that because I would be able to advocate this. But I still need to satisfy and satisfy our our members to say, look, this is genuine, and as it is genuine, it needs to change the way the police are doing their work. And it's not really. I mean, you have now those that are, 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 are moving into the technology. We had a lot of resistance prior to, I must tell you, when we suggested to, to, to the law enforcement to move to the technology space because technology will expose the rotten apples within, within the, the, the system. But now we are seeing that it's moving into that direction. And uh, in Houten, you will then remember uh, Premier this week talking about some of the technology. Technology exposes a, 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 a rotten apples and you will get rid of. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that some of the members that don't belong to that, that shouldn't be in the SCPS, actually have left SCPS. Some are in orange overalls, and we, we should see it there so that community can see and start. The trust is built over a period of time. It's not the best thing that you can buy from the shop. Thanks very much indeed. Really appreciate the time. Very interesting to see different views on all of this. TJ Masalela is the chair of the Gauteng Provincial Community Police Board, bringing an your mediated uh, conversation this morning. My thanks also to Cindy Changwan from the Association of Private Security Owners of South Africa and starting us off today, Chad Thomas from IRS Forensic Investigations. Con- fascinating to see the role that private security companies play.